Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi, this is Claire from Yacht and Omni Reboot, and you are listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. I'm your host, Cap, and with me is... Doug from Ghostbusters and Nerdy Show. Boar from Derpy Show. Jessica from Nerdy Show. And John from Nerdy Show. And this episode is a Microsoft 2-pack, where we're going to be talking about... Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill, Bill, My Bill, Bill. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah, man, old William Nye. (laughs) (laughs) Nerdy Show Microsodes are where you, the listeners, decide what we talk about for 15 minutes. We're going to be talking about everyone's favorite science guy and one of his favorite science subjects, scientific skepticism. This topic is requested by our community manager, Trench88, who once upon a time was... Not the community manager. Was not the community manager. He was a fan. He was uh, out in Afghanistan uh, in the desert. Risking life and limb, listening to Nerdy Show on Tower Guard duty. <laughs> That's actually one of my favorite uh, experiences with Trench was when we were playing Minecraft together and he started talking about how they were under artillery strike or something. <laughs> then, he, then he figured out that it was outbound and not incoming and then he just calmed down a bit and was like, oh, whatevs. The noobs are really excited, though. And at some point with his generous funding, he decided we should talk about Bill Nye. So that's what we're going to do. If you were not a child in the 90s... You may remember Bill Nye from Dancing with the Stars. No. Uh, <laughs> that I refused. Yeah, it he did danced happen. his little heart out, though. He did good. Bill Nye's been having a rough year, but we'll get into that. Let's talk about what makes him great. His original show ran from 1993 to 1998 and was nominated for 23 Emmys, of which they won 19. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that I- they actually got Emmys. That's awesome. 19 of them. Wow. Better shows don't even get more. I mean, it was a great show, but I mean, like, they, they were all over it. Well, when it comes to science shows, what else? What, I mean, what competition else was there? Was uh, what? Beekman. Beekman's World? Yeah. And that was all right. Uh, they, they actually, they ran in tandem pretty much and actually shared some producers. Oh. Weirdly enough. Yeah. But before that, there was Mr. Wizard, which I guess was great, you know, if you're our parents' age. But I, dude, if you watch Mr. Wizard nowadays, he's very informative, but incredibly boring. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty boring. Yeah. Bill Nye was the natural 90s progression of Mr. Wizard. Yeah, it was like Mr. Wizard like did all these experiments in his garage, which made it feel like you could do it at home. 
Whereas Bill Nye wore the lab coat and did it in a lab. It was like the coolest setup that you could possibly have if you're a kid watching and wanting to do science. But he didn't have a guy in a rat suit, and that's what <laughs> yeah, yeah. set Beekman apart. There weren't fart jokes. They didn't have a guy yeah. in a rat suit. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that is true. But before we started this, I did look up some facts about Bill Nye that I think would help paint the picture of how this show got started. Did you guys know that the reason why he's like scientifically you know, whatever, is that he studied mechanical engineering at Cornell University. And that's why he's scientifically whatever. And one of his professors was Carl Sagan. Yep. And after that, the reason why he got his show, because he did like stand-up comedy a little bit, and he did like like cable access TV stuff or whatever. Did you guys know, I mean, I'm sure some of you know, because I think I've talked about it before, that the Bill Nye the Science Guy TV show directly ties in to the universe of Back to the Future? That's a bit of a stretch, Wait, but I, I know how the connection what? is. Because, You're have to that. because the Back to the Future cartoon, whenever it, an episode would start, it would start with live action footage of Christopher Lloyd in character as Doc Brown being like, do you know the story about how Marty and I went back to the you know, ancient, ancient Rome you know, or did whatever? And then the, they would do the cartoon, then it would end, it would come back to Christopher Lloyd and say, and now, now that you've known that story, here's, here's a quick experiment with my lab assistant. The lab assistant was Bill Nye. And Bill Nye dressed the exact same way he dresses on Bill Nye the Science Guy because he was just the unnamed assistant, so he was just the science and guy. He had no speaking lines. Had no speaking lines, but he did all of the experiments that you would perform at home with a narration by uh, Dr. Emmett Brown. So then they were like, wow, he's pretty good. And the, the, those segments were apparently popular enough because mm-hmm. that show ran from 1991 to 1993, and Bill Nye the Science Guy got his own show in 1993. Interesting. So one day they said, hey, maybe if this guy talked, it would be even better. <laughs> Does this yeah. guy have a voice? Yeah. Just yeah. take that segment and expand it into an actual Does show. Does he know anything about science? <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's actually two factors there that combined to create the show. When he was doing this, the stand-up comedy thing, one of his acts was actually a Mr. Wizard-style skit called Science Guy. And then, I guess from there, he got picked up to do that role on... Back to the Future, where he probably came up with the experiments, and Christopher Lloyd just provided the narration. Right. And uh, and and from what I read, I don't know how truthful it is, but it was actually based on the popularity of those segments that he did get his own show. Nice. Hmm. So uh, of course he he did the show for for quite a long time. If you want to pick those up, they're all on DVD, and there's links to them on this episode's page. But he also hosted BattleBots, of course, in the early 2000s. Oh, that was awesome! I uh, forgot about that. Uh, and uh, did you guys ever check out his his series for slightly older kids, The Eyes of Nye, last episode? Yeah, the, no? that was actually a really cool series. I don't know if older kids is the best example. I mean, I guess, like, how old would you say that the regular Bill Nye Science Guy TV show is supposed to be? It was like, meant for preteens, the original. Like preteens? So yeah. then, yeah, I can see how The Eyes of Nye is, like, for teenagers and up, because he'll talk about things that either are a little bit more boring, like nuclear energy how does it work you know and like they go into those details and there's one about like string the, the evolution of sex like why do humans procreate like why do we multiply through that versus just laying an egg like speaking in terms of evolution why is that better than you know whatever fish do <laughs> spraying it off into the water and hoping it yeah, sticks. Just hope, yeah exactly <laughs> uh, yeah and like difficult topics like race um, yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, there was addiction. a lot of there, there. In fact, there was a little bit of uh, controversy about the race episode because people thought there was like some sort of government conspiracy to, to say, "Oh, yeah, all races should be considered equal because we're all one race, the human race." And like the really racist people hated <laughs> that and wrote in and were like, "There's, there's genetic proof that it's all different." But it's like, dude, I'm, you're gonna argue with Bill Nye about this? It's like I'm pretty. I, I can't. I can't recall a time where I saw Bill Nye on TV, whether it was on CNN or whatever, and he was arguing for science, and the other people made a better argument. 
there's there's a video of him on YouTube where he's so little has changed. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's, there's a video on YouTube where he's um, talking to people who said that they saw a UFO. Have you guys seen this? No, no. Okay, so so this is on CNN, right? So you're they, thinking they borrow him an awful lot. Yeah. So the, these these guys on uh, they have like home video of a UFO, and the credit the, the reason why it's supposedly credible is that this gentleman who recorded used to work for the Air Force, and he's like an upstanding patriotic man, you know, and he's like. You know, he would, he's never lied before and blah, blah, blah. And they show the clip and they're like, so now for the expert opinion, let's get Bill Nye on here. And like, Bill, what do you think of this? He's like, it's a light in the sky. You know, I, I just don't think it's aliens. And they're like, how could you deny? This is certainly a UFO. And he goes, yes, it is a UFO. That doesn't mean it's an alien. And they go, but you just said you agree that it's a UFO. He goes, do you know what UFO stands for? It stands for unidentified flying object. There's something up there in the sky, and you haven't identified it. I can confirm therefore, that we can't identify yeah, it. <laughs> therefore, he goes, I'm not saying it's impossible that it's an alien. I'm just saying that it's incredibly unlikely. And then they, they just try to tear him a new one, but he just plays the calm, cool, collected, like, you guys just don't know what you're talking about. And it's, it's pretty good. Now, I like Bill Nye. I, I watched the show when I could as a kid. But Jess, he's like your hero. Yeah, he is. I was that kid growing up that wanted to do all the science experiments and like read books and like learn outside of school. And for some reason, people didn't want to do that with me. But like everyone liked Bill Nye, nerdy guy on television doing all of the experiments I wanted to do with my friends. uh, And yet my friends thought he was cool. So I was just fascinating with that as a kid, as how this nerdy guy was getting such a following. And so I then grew up to do my own educational videos, sort of a la Bill Nye for robotics and electronics education. So he was kind of my role model in that way. And you actually met him. I did meet him. It was at the U.S. Science and Engineering Festival. It was just, you know, one of the things where he just does signings for the Save Our Science group in the Planetary Society. So I paid the $20 to join, which meant I could cut the line and meet Bill Nye immediately. He signed something for me. I gushed a lot. He had this, like, I'm really tired. I've been signing so many things and I don't want to do this anymore. But it was still amazing for me. And I got a picture. Nice. He was really sad to meet me. He really wanted to go home, but it was great. Because <laughs> it still happened. <laughs> now, what I said earlier about Nye having uh, a rough year, I, I mean, obviously there was the Dancing with the Star things. Take of that what you will. But he loves to swing dance, so maybe that was good for him. But he did bow out because of an injury, I believe. But early in 2014... He went to the Creationist Museum and debated its founder. Now, beginning oh, in 2012, he went public with his stance that creationist views threaten science edu- education and innovation. And I think as nerds, we can all agree that if someone is teaching things that we know scientifically to be myth as truth, that is definitely a detriment to scientific education and uh, innovation, empirical thinking, anything of that matter. It, it is definitely a concern. But when he did this debate, he set himself up for a disaster. Now, I haven't seen it. And here's, I saw it. The reason I haven't seen it is because of one of, the, one of the mistakes he made, which is he signed over the broadcast rights to the Creationist Museum. Yeah. So his debate with them only served to make them a ton of money. Wow, that's pretty terrible. Right. I didn't know about that. No, I knew about that. Here, here's how I reason it out, though, right? Bill and I probably got the invite, and everyone's like, dude, just arguing with Ken Ham gives him some credence. And why would you do that? And I, I would like to imagine, I mean, this is, this is just my interpretation of it, but I would like to imagine that Bill Nye probably thought, okay, yeah, maybe that's true, but if there's someone in that audience or someone who would be watching it who maybe has doubts and isn't really sure 
And if I can just sway one person to start thinking a little differently, then the money's no object. If they get money to add a new exhibit to the Creation Museum, that's not going to convince more people. That's just going to add to whatever they're already doing. But if you can change someone's mind, that might be worth it in the long run. What I'd heard was that despite how good he is at public speaking normally, Nye actually delivered a pretty dry speech that just couldn't keep up with the enthusiasm and rhetoric and all the bullshit streaming off of the Creations Museum fella. Well, I, I think Nye did a good job in the debate. I think he, he went in there with stuff prepared to talk about, and he responded to a lot of the things that Ken Ham brought up. He's not a great orator. Like, I think he did fine. He held his own. I think he won, and I'm not just saying that because I like the guy, but he like would bring up points that Kim Ham couldn't defend, and then he would answer questions that Kim Ham would bring up, but you know, when it's all said and done, I don't think anyone in the audience changed their mind because the whole thing was just meant to be a YouTube sensation anyway, just get people to click on it. But I think he did a good job, but it's just a matter of, like, he's not as good of a debater as, like, say, Christopher Hitchens or, you know, any anyone else who's, like, born to do Nobody that. Nobody can you know? tear somebody apart like Hitchens could. Yeah, yeah. But, but I still think he did good, and I think he won. If you're going just on terms of, like, were they able to make their point, where they could defend their point, could they answer these questions, then I think he won. Whereas Ken Ham just sort of slung shit. And whether, <laughs> yeah. whether you agree with him or not, all he did was just sort of ask questions like, well, Mr. Nye, how could these trees, these ancient trees exist if we know they only existed during this time period? And yet there's way more Earth above them instead of vice versa. Like, shouldn't it be that they're above, you know? And I thought, wow, that's actually a really good question. I wonder if that's true if he made that shit up. And Bill Nye's like, oh, we actually know why that happened. It's because of plate tectonics and they shift and sometimes plates go up and sometimes plates go down. And in this, that's what happened in this case. And you're like. Oh, what a reasonable explanation. Like, I didn't even think of that, but I guess that's why he's the science guy and I'm the guy watching it on YouTube. <laughs> he actually has a book coming out on November 4th called Undeniable Evolution and the Science of Creation. So it's very much a personal crusade of his. That and uh, global climate change. He's talked a lot about that recently. And I can't remember, it was another YouTube video of him on, like, I guess it was Fox News or CNN. I'm like, dude, why are you on Fox or whatever? And he was sitting across from this journalist and she was just like, can you honestly look me in the eye and tell me that global climate change is the most serious threat that we are facing as, as humans today? And dude looked her square in the eye, stone cold, and just said the exact words. And it was just like, damn. And even she was just kind of like, oh, okay then. Uh, like she was not expecting it. Not at all. And it was, it just handed it to her. It was brilliant. And I is not infallible, however. True. I know that in some of his appearances on CNN, he's actually dealt out some non-factual information. Like, particularly, I saw one cited about the nuclear reactor situation after the tsunami in Japan. He uh, said a number of things that just weren't true about, like, uh, different ways to offset the radiation and so on. And, of course, nobody's perfect, but uh, he, is, he is a science guy who has specific interests and, I suppose, can't always be relied upon to be a walking textbook yeah, of all knowledge ever. Th that is the problem, is that he's he's got areas of expertise, but pop news, just like all these major news things, they just want to go to him for all things science, as opposed to the things that he's like really focused on, like uh, the Planetary Society or space exploration or climate change, but instead it's like, oh, well, the nuclear reactors, I don't know how they work, let's get the science guy on here, because that's it, his name, that's his moniker after all. Which is a shame, but, you know, but I figure, like, again, it's probably him just thinking, like, well, if someone's got to talk about it, uh, <laughs> you know, man, why not? Did you know that? 
He was on Stargate once, and that was awesome. Stargate Atlantis? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And Tyson in the same episode. Yeah, that him was amazing. Him, yeah. him and Neil deGrasse Tyson on an episode of Stargate Atlantis where they play themselves. <laughs> Only they were real gigantic douchebags to yeah, the yeah, science to the guy from, from the show. Atlantis. Yeah, that's, that's another YouTube clip. <laughs> that's actually, it's, it was pretty funny. He also patented uh, a different kind of ballet point shoe and uh, a magnifying glass created by filling a clear plastic bag with water. <laughs> so now you know thanks so much to trench 88 for requesting this topic switching gears ever so slightly now we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to bill nye we're going to talk about scientific skepticism this is a topic requested by josh mayer he says i discovered this movement via nerdy show's interview with george harab which was a long time ago we'll link to it on this episode's page skepticism is basically questioning everything and not blindly believing sentiments that are not supported by empirical evidence so, what's the Bill Nye connection, aside from that clearly being something that is in Nye's wheelhouse? should do. Uh, yeah. One would hope. He's a fellow of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, a U.S. nonprofit scientific and educational organization whose aim is to promote scientific inquiry, critical investigation, and the use of reasoning in examining controversial and extraordinary claims. You just said a mouthful. I did. Yeah. And uh, Carl Sagan, Bill Nye's professor, is... Credited with creating the term in his novel Contact and his novel Billions and Billions. So, scientific skepticism. Well, it's weird. Like you mentioned, uh, Josh, Josh Mayer, he mentioned George Harab, and George Harab is one of the only people I can think to include in a list of musicians whose work intentionally revolves around the skeptic community. Hmm. But, Specifically the skeptic community, but of course there are some very interesting uh, chiptune musics about scientists in general where they are in fact talking about related. Well, sure. Like Symphony of Science, which has used Bill Nye for clips in the past. And, and Carl, Carl Sagan. Sagan. And Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> Basically any scientist that's, that, that, that's been on a video of some kind. Yeah. And scientific skepticism at its core is very, very important. Can you, you even have science without skepticism? No, not really. No, I mean, not really. It, it was not just, really. Yeah, the first caveman who was like... Why does big bright thing rise in daytime? And and that's the first scientist. And they're like, and that, well, then it was just like, <laughs> well, no, the, the, the sign, no. Then you had the other caveman who was just like, it was magic. It was uh, magic. Magic made it happen. Earth spits big bright thing out every day. And, and the that other was caveman, the foundation of religion, right? Yes. There. And then the. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The other caveman who, who, who saw it said, I don't know. I don't know. Something about that's not right. And that was the beginning of skepticism. 
And then they killed him. Because yeah, I then, then they killed him, and then it happened again later. Well, the first guy asked what the sun was, though, so that's sort of, you know... Yeah, just even questioning it to begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Questioning is skepticism, in a way. Without Caping. questioning the way things are... We would not have gotten this I, far. You wouldn't have been hearing my voice right now. Yeah. It's that simple. Uh, we, we owe everything to that empirical reasoning, but <sighs> I hope I don't tread on some toes here and now. Scientific skepticism is very important. Obviously, there's a certain crisis out in middle America wherein people are taught to fear scientific skepticism. Yeah. But the, the problem is, I feel, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that in some ways, scientific skepticism or skepticism in general is brandished in, this, in a very aggressive way. It's kind of like you can be an atheist and not believe in any kind of God or anything. But if you're aggressively an atheist, then sometimes you can be just as bad as a religious zealot. You're just on the opposite spectrum. If you do anything too much, it creates a problem and you become an evangelist. I've well, seen, the real problem is being a shit to everyone. Right, don't be a shit right. to everyone. And maybe if you're, if you're a but shit anyway, you're always going to be a shit. At, no at the same time, though, pushback against evolution versus creationism being taught in schools, that's also seen as being an aggressive atheist sometimes. So it's not always bad. No, it's not. See, it depends on if your definition of like, oh, if you're being a shit or not. It's like, well, I believe that spreading truth is more important than how you view me. And that's when you run into problems. It's like when you believe it's like, I believe that the truth must be told regardless of law, regardless of whatever, then no matter what truth you believe, that's when you run into problems is when you need to impose what you think I, I, upon other people. I guess what I'm saying is this, this skepticism, this empirical reasoning, that's something that ideally we would take for granted and right. would just be a part of everything. Sometimes when you wave a flag behind something, you can kind of turn into a douchebag. Right. I've known some skeptics who have like waved their skepticism around constantly to the point of them just being a douchebag, even though I agree with them. So I suppose that's a concern. That's been largely my experience with anyone who's been like a diehard like skeptic, even though I completely agree with the concept. Right, and, right. And obviously the people behind it, Sagan, Nye, those are cool dudes. It just goes back to this like, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It's like you, either, you either just say, you know what? I'm not going to make people believe what I believe. They can believe what they want. And we're not turning this into like bumper cars. We're just going to like go on our own separate ways. We don't have to collide. But then as soon as someone starts inching over, you know, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. What? It's another, another hit was uh, uh, they say religion is like a, a penis. It's nice to have one. It's nice to be proud of one. But don't whip it out in public. And don't try to put it in my children. <laughs> And don't put it into me without my consent. Yeah, yeah. Don't put it in me without my consent. You, yeah. have, to, you have to shake on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gentleman's agreement. Huzzah! We're fed a, a lot of really, really random, horrible crap today in society. And, you know, I mean, like anti-vaxxers. Christ. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, both mm -hmm. of those things are terrible. Climate change, of course, uh, creationism versus evolution. I was actually literally lecturing for about a half an hour this morning on evolution and like the bazillion different ways in which you could prove that it's simply a matter of fact reality. Oh, what prompted um, you to do that? Oh, that just happens. You weren't talking to an old woman or a, <laughs> a great grandfather? No, I I was uh, talking to Kristen about how evolution actually truly functions because everybody sort of has like the textbook basic mentality of it, but it's really kind of a, a bizarre and very, very interesting emergent phenomena. And so I was going into inane detail about that as well as its relationship to the second law of thermodynamics. 
and how it's basically just a direct result of the physical world and there isn't anything really doubtable about any part of it. You're right. I shouldn't have been surprised that you were just randomly talking about that because now that you've explained it, that sounds exactly like the kind of conversations that you typically just burst into out of nowhere. <laughs> you specifically, not anybody. No Don't, exclusively, that's a John West situation. That's why you're a sci-tech correspondent. I think it's so difficult for us because we're like, yeah, scientific skepticism is a thing and it's awesome. We all do agree with it. Are we supposed to be like, talking about the movement or the process of skepticism? Like, uh, which one? Well, uh, Josh made it rather broad, so we have the option mm -hmm. to do both. I can give you guys an example of how being skeptic kind of saved me from a big embarrassment. Okay. This is the story of how I encountered a unidentified flying object. I was driving with uh, a good friend of mine. I was taking him home. We were hanging out. This is like during high school. And um, we were driving down this road with had, it had no lights on it. So it was, it was kind of like a back road. Uh -huh. And it curved gently off to the right. And we're surrounded by woods. As we're driving, we're just talking, just chilling out, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden in the woods up ahead, like through the trees, there was this blue orb of light. And I, I would say it was about the size of like a beach ball, I think. And it was like sort of bright in the center, like really bright in the center. But, it, but overall, it was just blue, like almost like a blue sphere just moving through the trees, like you did know, the trees between me and it. And then it's just going through and moving around. Except the thing that was really weird about it was that it was like floating three or four feet off the ground and moving steady. It wasn't like bouncing up and down or whatever. And then it just kept going. And we both just shut up immediately as we saw it because I like my car is heading basically straight for it before the turn happens. And it's just moving to the side, like it's moving from from right to left. And I'm like, okay, this is where I don't know what the heck that is. Maybe it's like a, a light pole or something that someone left out there. But no, it was indeed moving. We start to hit the curve and we start to turn because I'm just whatever it is. I don't want to mess with it. So I start turning. And then it suddenly turns towards us in the car. And it comes out of the woods, very smooth, like just through the air. It moves down onto the street. I'm still driving. We both haven't said a word in like four seconds and we're just like just completely silent and scared at this point. It comes out of the woods through the trees onto the street. It gets towards the front of my car. I don't slow down. I don't I don't stop. I just keep going. I'm still I'm in the middle of turning still. It goes past the front of my car or it goes through my side mirror of, on the outside of my car. I say, uh, Steve, my friend's name. And he doesn't say shit. We're just looking at it. It passes by my window. And then as it goes past me, I look into my side mirror again and I see the blinking red light on the back of a bicycle because this was a guy bicycling <laughs> through the woods at night and just on a bike path and went down past my car. But I did not. So this is a case of bad vision. No, it wasn't bad vision. It was just that there were no lights out there except for the headlights on my car, which were not aimed at him at any one point because of the way it timed out. And because he had a weird blue light on the front of his bike and the blinking red light on the back of it. And he had no reflectors and he wasn't wearing white. It was just a guy just bicycling. Now, if I hadn't looked in my rearview mirror to see, wait a minute. Now, for real, like, what was this? I may have just assumed I wouldn't have know, even known how to describe it. But as soon I, as we saw it, sounds by, like bad vision. But as soon, <laughs> but as soon as we but then you go. But even if it was just bad vision, I at least thought this can't be what I think. There must be an explanation. <laughs> so I forced myself to try and figure. And then, of course, when I saw it, that explained everything. You did use a lot of science in that story. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just looked the in skeptical, my rear view window. Yeah, the skeptical inquiry like, of simply saying, but, but not accepting it at face value is the moral of that story. It's just like, if I just looked at it and was like, guys, I saw a UFO. This is the time I saw a UFO. But instead, it's like, this is the time where I didn't know what it was. 
I didn't know what to think about I saw it. a UFO that was and flying it was just about three feet off the ground. Yeah. But think about how many and times about, people tell stories like yeah. that and they're like, no, for real. I saw what it's like. Couldn't you have been mistaken? No, man. I've never seen anything like it. It was never whatever. It's like, or you could be mistaken. It's interesting because it's like it can be both a learned trait. But for many people, it's also like a mindset. It's just who you are. It's true. Some people, they're just of a mind to take that at face value. What is it about a person that, that defines them in that way? The Dana Scullies of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Science is cool. Yay. <laughs> Question everything. Question all Especially the things. politicians. Thanks to Josh Mayer for the topic. It's almost time for us to go. But before we do, let's bring in community manager Trench88. I feel like I need some kind of special sound effect for announcing my arrival with that. But, you know, hey, whatever. Well, I'm not sure it's in our budget, but, uh, but I can cook something up. Orange. Nerdy Show is a listener-supported entertainment network, so if you enjoy all these delicious podcasts that we serve up to you every single week, and uh, also Nerdy FM, our streaming nerd music radio station at nerdy.fm, then we need your support. This is the first week of November, and with this first week of November is not only a new Nerdy Show support perk, but also... Our first month of Patreon. Yeah, which is a pretty big deal. We've been fueled via a cobbled-together support system in the back end of our website for a very long time now and if you don't want to sign up for patreon and you just want to donate at random you still can use that same cobbled together support system at nerdyshow.com support if all you need is a paypal login and you just want to donate now that's fine but if you would like to offer up reoccurring payments for as low as a dollar a month to nerdy show then hop on patreon and uh, also explore all the other reward options that we have for you it's all new. We just debuted this stuff. It's still growing. If you didn't catch us last week, uh, we got a new way of doing uh, microsodes. Now we've got a raffle we do every month where we'll hand out four microsodes a month to our lucky winners. And there's uh, different levels on Patreon that you can support us at to get different amounts of raffle tickets. And then also a live event on uh, Google Hangouts every month where we will draw these raffle tickets. And we have increased the number that we need to run the network every month by $100. It's now $400, and that is because we have upgraded the amount of music on Nerdy FM. You can find us at patreon.com slash nerdyshow. more details, you can also check out the forum thread on our forums about Patreon. Have you got any questions about the new system? If you got comments about the different reward tiers we have, or any of our milestones, just holler at us however you want to. October has ended, and that means that the old ways are gone, and the Patreon age has begun. But it's time to celebrate the old ways, because you guys took what appeared to be a slim pickings month, and made it a fantastic month. In total, you guys raised $526 for the network, which is awesome. Not only did you help us meet our raised operating costs a month early, but there's more to spare. And as you'll see on our Patreon... There's plenty we can do with some spare change. We gotta give shoutouts to Kevin Wise, who slapped down some multiple bucks on his self-imposed buck-a-week program, saying, Buck-a-week? Actually, five. I think I forgot last week. I'm a bad rememberer. Brent Richard said, Huzzah! The return of Derpy Show! Rejoice! Because Derpy Show did indeed return for their annual Halloween special, which we'll link to on this episode's page. Joshua Westfall came in with a huge and incredibly generous donation, saying, Oh, Derpy Show, how I've missed you these long months. I hope we'll hear from you again before the new year. 
And whether we will or not, well, I can't say. But Boar has been informed of your intense love, and Zeus willing, they shall return very soon. Shoutouts to Lawrence Hondrick, Kurt Fortenberry, and Mighty Matthew Cox, all of whom donated, as well as Mauron, who donated and said, insert message here. I'll insert this message for you, Mauron. Taken from Brian Eno and Peter Schmidt's Oblique Strategy Cards, Over 100 Worthwhile Dilemmas, which can help overcome creative block or give you motivation for the day. And uh, your randomly generated card via the Oblique Strategies app is Disciplined Self-Indulgence. Which I suppose is one way to look at contributing a nerdy show. Direwolf, who's a fan we haven't heard from in quite some time, but Hex and I met at PAX East several years ago. He said, What a month! The 50th of Wicked Anime, The Return of Derpy Show, and The OCAD Crew, The Culmination of Real Congregation. I just had to show my appreciation. And finally, Bradley Wilk said, Here's a very last-minute donation. Can't wait to hear the new Pokeballs of Steelix stuff. Keep up the awesome work. I don't want to get anybody too excited about Pokeballs of Steelix. Yes, we're working on it. Yes, there's going to be more. And yes, when it does return, it will be on a regular schedule. But we don't know when it's going to be yet. It's, you know, obviously very likely that it'll happen in 2015. But yeah, we all want Pokeballs to come back. And it's going to happen as soon as we can make it happen. But those weren't the only donors. No, um, even though we weren't officially launched, two enterprising Nerdy Show fans found our Patreon before it was readily available. And that is Barry I, our first Patreon backer, and Isabiz, our second Patreon backer, a fan literally from Iceland, who generously supported us in October via Patreon. Isabiz, who's never been able to donate before, said, If I can dedicate this first time to something, it's fucking PayPal. I'm glad I will never have to spend another hour trying to get that piece of garbage working. Glad I can finally support my favorite podcast network. You know what? I'm raising my first donation to make up for every time PayPal has ruined my support. I won't be able to afford this every month, but I sure as hell will be supporting something every month. Thank you very much, Ice. And uh, I guess that's a a lesson to all of us, that if you're from another country and PayPal never worked for you, then apparently Patreon does. So cut through the bullshit and support our show monthly. Thanks so much for supporting us. Thanks so much for giving us these awesome Microsoft topics. Tune in next week. We're doing a special tribute. For Weird Al's major motion picture, UHF, which turns 25 years old this year, we're talking to Weird Al himself and the film's director, Weird Al's manager, Jay Levy. Taking Us Out is a track by Melody Sheep, a.k.a. Symphony of Science, called The Joy of Discovery, featuring Bill Nye the Science Guy and some inspiring words from his debate at the Creationist Museum. Bye, I'm Cap. And I'm Trench. See you next time. There's a question that troubles us all. From the time we are first able to think. And that is, where did we come from? And this question is so compelling that we've invented the science of astronomy. We've discovered these natural laws so that we can learn more about our origin and where we came from. This is what drives us. This is what we want to know. Let's keep looking. Let's keep searching. of the universe's existence and we are driven to pursue that to find out where we came from the joy of discovery that's what drives us and these questions are deep within us where did we come from 
what was before the Big Bang. To us, this is wonderful and charming and compelling. This is what makes us get up and go to work every day. We are, you and I, at least one of the ways that the universe knows itself. It fills me with joy to make discoveries every day of things I had never seen before. To know that we can pursue these answers did we come from? Hey you! Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. We mean that. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com slash store, or directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com sponsorships. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes Store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.